0: It's 3 a.m. and you can't sleep. You want to, you're just unable to. Thoughts are running through your mind at a rapid pace. Most of those thoughts begin with the same two words. What if? What if they hire her to be my boss at work? What if my husband doesn't come back? What if my friend doesn't come out of the coma? What if my wife finds out that I had cheated on her all those years ago? What if my doubts about God are true and I can't figure this out and I lose my faith? What if the sales tax passes or the millage increases and there's just that much less money to make uh, ends meet with? What if my son continues to be confused about who he's attracted to? What if I can't find a new job? What if the difficulties of having in remembering things is actually early onset Alzheimer's or dementia? What if God won't forgive me for that abortion that I had? What if there's not enough money for the building project? What if, what if... What if? You do that. I do that. Three in the morning, three in the afternoon, whenever it is, we race through our minds. Well, what if this happens and what if that happens? You see, the problem is we've been taught hope for the best, but expect the worst, And we naively think that if we are prepared for whatever bad may happen, meaning if we've thought it through, if we've asked ourselves what if, if we've considered every possibility, that somehow we'll be better prepared to handle bad news when it comes. But you know what? That's not how it works, is it? You see, the what ifs don't resolve themselves, do they? That's why it's not just one night at 3 a.m. It's many nights asking the same question over and over again. That's why even if you spend all day trying to answer the what ifs, you don't ever make any progress, do you? We get to the end of the day and we've not resolved anything. We've just in many cases increased our fear and thought through all these different possibilities, all of which throw us into more confusion about the future. Well, this morning I want to share with you, from God's Word, the answer to your what-if question. The what-if questions you've had in the past, what you have right now, what you'll have in the future, I have an answer from God for you and for me, no matter what the what-if question you're asking is. So please, if you will, take a Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 13. If you need to borrow a Bible, there's one under your seat. It looks like this, or it'll be in the rack in front of you. If you take one of the church Bibles and turn to page 976, 976, you'll be in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. When I sit down to sort of lay out and pray through, well, what passages should we talk about on what Sundays? Of course, Easter always looms large. It's the most important Sunday in the church's calendar. It's the Sunday you want to be able to really say, here's a message from the Lord for you and for me. And as I prayed through it, God led me this morning to Hebrews 13, verses 4 to 6. Now, we've been in the book of Hebrews all year long. And when I looked at this passage, it felt like this would be perfect for Easter Sunday. And so what I want to share with you is a message I believe is from God to you and to me to help us, to give us the answer to whatever what-if question you were wrestling with last night or yesterday or you'll be wrestling with tonight. Let me read Hebrews 13, 4 to 6. Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, when you hear this passage, you may have a question like I had a question when I first sat down to study this. If we're trying to figure out the answer to the what-if questions, the what-if question, what if I don't get into that college? What if I don't get any financial aid? What if this relationship is never restored? What if I have cancer? If you're trying to answer those questions and you hear avoid sexual immorality and the love of money, you may think, just like I thought, what in the world does that have to do with what if I have cancer? And the point is, is sex and money are just two of the things that we often turn to when we have those fears and those questions to answer them. For example, if the "what-if" question you've been asking is, what happens if my wife doesn't end up finding me physically attractive anymore? What if her physical desires don't return? One possible answer is to seek sexual fulfillment outside the boundaries of marriage. Or if the what-if question you're struggling with is, what if my boyfriend is attracted to that other woman more than he's attracted to me? One possible answer is, well, if I sleep with him, perhaps he will love me more. Or the same is true for money. If the what-if question you're wrestling with is, what if I can't, have any, can't get any financial aid for college? One possible answer is to think, but I have a rich uncle, maybe he'd be willing to give me an interest-free loan. Or if the what if question is, what if I lose my job tomorrow? What if this new boss fires me? One possible answer is, But if I have enough saved up in the emergency fund, I'll be able to get through a couple of months and then we'll see how it turns out. You see, sex and money are two of the many possible things that we can turn to when we're asking the question, what if? We could have also listed medicine or technology or our own ability to rationalize things. Perhaps you haven't been waking up at three in the morning asking what if. Perhaps you've been waking up at three in the morning running through all the things you have to do to solve the problems that you're facing. All that's evidence of is that perhaps you've turned to yourself to make all those what ifs go away. It can be our own persuasive ability. We can think to ourselves, if I could just get in front of that person, if I could just explain my side, if I could just tell them what I've been thinking, then I'll be able to take care of this. Whatever it is, whether it's sex or money or your own abilities or someone you've trusted in or politics or medicine or technology or whatever it is. There are a whole host of answers to the what-if questions that we have that Hebrews is telling us will do us no good. That in the end, sex or money or technology or your own persuasive abilities, that won't make them go away. What then is the right answer to the questions, the what-if questions we're all plagued by? Well, that's the second half of verses 4 through 6. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The answer to every what if question that you have asked, are asking, or will ask is Easter you see Easter Sunday morning these words that we're reading these are a quote from somewhere else and these words the Lord is my helper what can men do to me these were the words that were on Jesus's mind this very week 2,000 years ago and Easter demonstrates the truthfulness of these words, let me explain what I mean. When you hear the phrase, what can mere mortals do to me? And you think about the life of Jesus. In Jesus' case, humans did some pretty terrible things to him. Jesus grew up and experienced a life filled with suffering. He grew up in poverty, difficulty of life. When you think about Jesus, especially in the last week of his life, He experienced betrayal at the hands of Judas, a close companion. He experienced the miscarriage of justice. When Jesus stood trial before Pilate, who was the judicial authority, Pilate knew that he was innocent. And yet Pilate still condemned him to die. Jesus experienced scourging and whipping. He was beaten. He was spit upon. When he's hanging on a cross, the people who came by did not offer him sympathy. They made fun of him. They mocked him and ridiculed him. His disciples abandoned him. He was all alone. And he died a horrific, terrible death on a cross. The answer, what can mere mortals do to me? In Jesus' case, they can do some pretty terrible stuff. But the message of Easter is, The Lord was his helper. Jesus is not currently dead. Jesus is not in the grave. God raised him from the dead. Today Jesus is seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. All glory, all honor, all power, all authority is now his. We've gathered here today not to spit on him, not to mock him, not to reject him, but to worship him. Jesus experienced the very worst that humans had to give, and he's doing just fine. He's doing fantastic. Why? Because the Lord has been his helper. Easter proves that God helps those who walk with him. Now, you may be thinking the same thing I was thinking when I hear that. Well, of course God helped Jesus. Jesus is holy. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is good. My problem is I got stuff in my life. I got mistakes that I've made. I'm not nearly as wise as Jesus. I'm not nearly as holy as Jesus. I'm not nearly as righteous as Jesus. Of course God helped Jesus. But what good does that do me? Jesus is up here. I'm way down here. You may be thinking that because I've thought that, but when we think that way, it's just a reminder that we've forgotten something really important about Good Friday. You see, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin. So we're right. We're right in thinking that Jesus is holy. We're right in thinking that Jesus is righteous and pure. Jesus had nothing that he did wrong at all in his life. But look, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now what that means is Is that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, God placed on him all of my sin, all of your sin, all of the sins of all the people in all the world in all of time. Now listen, do you understand what that means? This means all of the murders, all of the genocide, all of the laziness, all of the gluttony, all of the lying, all of the pride, all of the bitterness, all of the angry words, all of the outbursts, all of the stuff that you and I have ever done that was given to Jesus. That Jesus at the moment that he died is not righteous, holy, and pure. Please understand what I'm saying. Not me. What the Word of God is saying. At the moment Jesus died, he is considered by God to be wicked, evil, and a miserable wretch. Do you understand this? That God chose in his mercy to give to Jesus my sin. Your sin. And the sins of everybody in the whole world. So that at that moment... Jesus is to God pure wickedness. So bad is it that God the Father who loves Jesus infinitely is forced for a moment to turn his back on Jesus. That's why on the cross Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God doesn't turn his back on holiness and righteousness and goodness and purity. He turns his back on sin. What that means is is that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, God sees him as being infinitely sinful. What difference does that make? When Jesus was seen by God as being infinitely sinful... God still raised him from the dead. (laughs) See, God did not turn his back on him forever. He did for a moment have to forsake him, but God did not ultimately forsake him. He did not abandon Jesus to the grave, but raised him from the dead. Why? Because God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You see, Jesus proves the truthfulness of this passage It doesn't work if Jesus is super holy and righteous and pure at the moment he dies. Because we could never be that holy and righteous and pure on our own. The power of the Easter story is that Jesus bearing the sins of the world when he is pure wickedness and evil in God's eyes. Not because he had done anything wrong, but because he's holding the stuff I did wrong. Because he's owning the stuff you did wrong at that moment. God did not forsake him. God did not abandon him. And if he didn't abandon Jesus when he is holding all the sins of the whole world, he will not abandon you. There is nothing that you have done, are doing, or will do that will put you in a worse state than Jesus was when he died on that cross. Please hear the message of Easter. If God did not abandon Jesus to the grave, he will not abandon you. Now why did God rescue Jesus? When he's full of sin, our sin, when he's holding all of the wickedness and evil of the... Why did God choose not to abandon him? It's because Jesus entrusted himself to God. Jesus placed his faith in God. Do you know the what if question that Jesus was asking? You've got your what if questions. I've got my what if questions. Do you know what I think the what if question Jesus was asking the week before before Easter, the week of Easter? I think Jesus was asking, what if? When I'm bearing the sins of the whole world, all of the wickedness, all of the unrighteousness, all of the lawlessness, all the junk that's ever been done, what if when I'm bearing all of that, God turns his back and never turns again? What if at that moment I am rejected forever? This, more than anything else, is the great fear that faces Jesus. He knows the righteousness of God. He knows the wages of sin is death. He knows that God cannot stand to be around sin. And I have to imagine that the thing that has caused Jesus to fall down in the Garden of Gethsemane and say, please, Lord, if there's any other way, is the thought, what's going to happen when I'm bearing all the wickedness of all the world and God turns his back on me? What if he never comes back again? What if I am abandoned to the grave? And what was Jesus' answer? But God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. These are the words of Jesus. This is Jesus' response when the what-if question comes. The answer is, But God swore he would never leave me or forsake me. God swore he would be my helper. I will not be afraid. Which means the answer to every what if question that you have. The answer to every what if question that I have. But God has promised he will not leave us or forsake us. So if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus, you've accepted him as Lord. We talked about that in the waters of baptism. People who have said, I want, I'm, I'm with Jesus. If you're here and you've made that decision, you need to understand the what if questions that you have if you look to sex or to money or to your own ability to rationally process things or your own ability to accomplish tasks or try to please people or whatever it may be, that will not answer those questions. The right answer, the answer that Jesus shows us, is that when the what if questions come, the response is, but God has promised he will never leave you or forsake you. The Lord is your helper. You will not be afraid. See, look, I will not be afraid. That's not sort of self-help talk. Please don't be afraid. Try not to be afraid. That's not that. It's a promise from God. I will show up and I will take your fear away. If you turn to me and not to sex and not to money and not to your own abilities and not to your uh, your persuasive speech, if you turn to me, I will help you. I swear it. And I will take your fear away in the process. When you wake up at 3 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon, And you say what if what if it's cancer what if my son is in a car accident what if i don't find another job what if i'm not able to find a spouse the answer is but god has promised i will never leave you i will never forsake you i will be your helper and when satan tempts you to think but Look at you. Look at all the mistakes that you've made. Look at all the stuff you've done wrong. Look at all the failures. The answer is, but when Jesus was bearing the sins of the whole world, God was still faithful and did not abandon him to the grave. He will not abandon you either. Look, this is the word of God. I did not write this. God says, never will I leave you. Never, under no circumstances, never, no matter what you do, no matter what you go through, no matter what anyone does to you, I will never leave you. Never, ever, ever ever, for any reason, at any time, I will not leave you. And if you're here this morning and you're not yet a believer in Jesus, you need to understand the message of Easter is an invitation from a faithful, loving God to be this for you see, this promise is only made to those who by faith have accepted Jesus as Lord. God forsook Jesus for a moment so he would never have to forsake you. But it only works if you turn to Jesus. If you look to sex, you look to money, you look to anything else, there will be no rescue there. And God is offering to you. Listen, you have troubles. You have what-if questions just like I have what-if questions. You've got... One of the biggest what-if questions of all time. What if you die today? God's inviting you. Let me be your God. Let me be your helper. Let me fight for you. Let me be one who will come alongside of you and never leave you or forsake you. And if you're here and you've not yet allowed him to do it, to become a Christian is to simply stop turning to sex or money or yourself or technology or medicine or whatever. And simply turn and say, but that's what I want. I want, I want someone who will walk with me. I want someone who will rescue me. I want someone who will be my helper. I want someone who will never, ever leave me. And simply turning from whatever it is that you think is ask, a- answering those what if questions to Jesus. God brings you into his family and promises you this very promise. So, the message of Easter to you today and to me today, it's the message you have to know if you wake up this morning, 3 a.m. Whatever question, the answer is, but God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So you can say with confidence, The Lord will help me. The Lord will show up. The Lord will use that incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead. The Lord who did not abandon him to the grave when he was filled with all my sin, your sin, and the sins of the whole world. The Lord will help me and he will take away my fear in the process. Let's pray together. God, who are we that you should choose to take our sins and give them to Jesus? Who are we that you should demonstrate such faithfulness to us, to promise, to swear to us, never to leave us or forsake us? Lord, we don't deserve that. But you are faithful, and you demonstrated that faithfulness this Sunday morning 2,000 years ago. Help us to remember and to believe And, Lord, I pray that when those what-if questions come, because they're going to come again, help us to remember what you have said to us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. God, you are our helper and our strength. We need only be still. You will fight for us. And, God, whatever tomorrow holds, we know that you have the future in your hands. And so, God, we thank you. Thank you that through Jesus... You have offered to us this promise of absolute and total faithfulness. We glorify and praise his name. Amen.